0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to have um, Gregory Johnson. He's a reverend and a pastor, I guess that you'd call it Pastor Greg. There you we were go. just talking about that, but thank you for being here today.
1: Awesome. Great to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for uh, our listeners to hear your story and to hear all the good things you're doing in our community. And, uh, But first, I need to give a little shout-out to our sponsor, uh, Veracity Networks. Thank you so much for believing in me and helping get this word out. And then I also want to thank the listeners again. You guys are amazing. Thank you for all the feedback. Thank you for sharing this with everybody. It's just been fantastic. And as you guys know, we've had so many amazing guests who've shared some amazing things. And today's going to be no different. I want to give you a little background on um, Pastor Greg. So he he's a reverend, um, and he, he and his wife founded the ministry of Standing Together in Utah back in March of 2001. Standing Together seeks to advance biblical unity among evangelical churches and pastors in Utah and spiritual transformation throughout our community and state, which I can't wait to talk about that and okay. what that actually looks like. Um, you, uh, you've served as a pastor in three local uh, Utah churches, um, you have a passion for the body of Christ to be one that he has given himself fully to the task of casting vision for unity, prayer, and strategic evangelism within the context of Utah culture, which I think is going to be amazing. You're doing a podcast now. You just started. It's called Building Bridges Podcast. And then you also are working with the, uh, uh, Dr. Robert Millett of BYU, and you guys, uh, you released um Bridging the Divide, the Continuing Conversations between Mormon and Evangelical in 2007. And you've held you know, over 60 public dialogues throughout the US and Canada and England. And you're just doing a lot of great things trying to bring people together. And I love that because in, in my, you know, my business here working <laughs> with drug addicts and alcoholics, uh, we always say connection is the opposite of addiction. Mm. It's the power of unity. It's the yeah. power of feeling like you belong. So and I think that's kind of what you're you're ultimately doing. So yeah. that's you know, and there's a lot more to your your bio here. And so, but you know, welcome, Greg. Thanks for being here today.
1: So good to be here with you. Yeah, really appreciate the invitation. So,
0: you bet. So tell us a little bit about yourself, a little background, and you know where you grew up, a little bit about your family.
1: Yeah. Well, our background really uh, lends itself to our our who we are as human beings. So it's really important part of the yeah. story for me. I. Uh, my mom actually converted to the LDS faith when I was about four years old in 1970 in Southern California okay uh, she was a single mom raising four small children I was the youngest of four uh, lower economic situation uh, kind of the LA area she was a, a waitress and you know we were kind mm-hmm. of uh, we just kind of barely survived right um, then all of a sudden uh, two young elders came to the door one day and you know had the conversation and at, at first she said no and uh, right. part of her deal was that uh, being raised in Ohio and as a child, she'd heard a lot of negative things about Mormonism way back, you know, back sure. East, back in those times. Yeah. So she was apprehensive, but uh, through some circumstances and some needs in her life, being a single mom, uh, raising four children alone, uh, and the help of others, uh, she reconsidered that decision and eventually became a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in uh, December of 1970. Okay. She and my three siblings were baptized. I had to wait another four years because I was not yet of baptized age, you know. Uh, but uh, entered into the Mormon faith at that point, and I, even though I'm not a Mormon today and I'm an evangelical pastor, yeah. uh, I give a lot of uh, credit and I give a lot of appreciation to the formation of my life, my values, my, uh, my uh, you know, basically my Judeo-Christian value system and whatnot was really sure. um, uh, forged, I think, in those, those experiences as a young Latter-day Saint, and uh, it was very meaningful to me, uh, it was a very big part of my life. Uh, however, you know, when I was a teenager, I had an opportunity to meet uh, some friends, and they did not attend my church. Uh, right. but, but I got to connect with them a little bit and I started going to their youth group, and eventually even went to a Christian camp uh, experience in the summer of 1980. And I was so compelled by by their personal kind of experience with uh, right. with their faith, um, whereas whereas my faith as a Latter Day Saint seemed to be very institutional. Very much connected to the church organization, right? And and I felt that in my language or in the language of people around me, we'd often refer to the church, the church, the church. But but I was with these evangelical kids and going to their their Bible camp, and it was always Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So it it kind of blew me away a little bit. Sure, yeah. Even in the way that they would pray, you know, they would they would pray very personal prayers, almost like. They were talking to Jesus in the room. And, right, and, like
0: he's sitting with you. Yeah, but yeah. in
1: my prayers, they were more formal, you know, yeah. you know, to Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus. And, and it was kind of more of a, a rote prayer, you know, a memorized prayer, if you will. So I was intrigued by that. And yet, um, you know, because I was a pretty devout young Latter-day Saint, there was a journey for me in, in yeah. evaluating that. And ultimately what I decided to do, even though I was pretty young, I was only fourteen. Um, fourteen, yeah. <laughs> uh, I kinda decided I didn't want to be anything. I didn't want to be a Baptist, I didn't want to be a uh I didn't want to be a Latter day Saint or a Mormon. Right. Uh, I, I thought I would just be a Christian and start from scratch and see where that took me. Word, now again, yeah. I, I realize sure. I was young, but I'm often uh, quick <laughs> to say to my LDS friends who are a little critical of my departure, who you know, <laughs> hey, uh I know another guy who was 14 years old and he yeah, had a vision. Exactly right. <laughs> so don't count the 14 year olds don't out. Don't count it you know? out. Yeah. And it was for me just a beginning, you know, <clears throat> just the opportunity to to uh, begin to say to myself, "What do I believe? Why do I believe it?" Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, for me, I just became very compelled with the idea that there is a God in heaven <clears throat> who's who loved us so much that He sent His own Son. Yeah. And Jesus' story and the message in the, in the Bible became very convincing to me. And uh, I just wanted to to have that. So I, I began to live my life differently at that point. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> and I was uh, just trying to uh, better understand, you know, what God was calling me to do. Right. And uh, my mom and my stepdad had a lot of conflict. And so their marriage dissolved and we returned to Southern California from Colorado. Uh, and I went to school there. Uh, through a set of circumstances, I was invited to attend a Christian high school because of the s- school systems in California being kind of a uh, not so easy, not not so right. good. Uh-huh. And uh, I did that, and it was a great experience, and um, uh, I learned a lot about what that what that whole concept of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ was right. all about. Yeah. And that became even increasingly more um, uh, inspirational to me, and more valuable to me, and more more fulfilling to me. Went off to college. Um, in a place called Westmont College in Santa Barbara. Okay. Did a degree in sociology and uh, with an emphasis, uh, actually social science with an emphasis in sociology and a religious studies minor. Felt compelled to you know, move forward with that uh, into seminary and graduate school where I went to Denver Theological Seminary in, so- in Denver, Colorado. Okay. <clears throat> fin- finished up a degree there in 1992. Had interned at a church here in Utah in 1991 in the Ogden area called Washington Heights Church. Okay. And uh, they invited me to come and join their staff in 1992 when I graduated. So it was really my passion at that time to come to Utah, to be a pastor, to live out my faith as an evangelical, but to do it in a contributing way to changing the dynamic or the paradigm of Mormon evangelical relationships. Now, I didn't have a real clue what that was looking like in 1992. And so much has happened since that time. Right. It's been so positive. Yeah. But really my heart was to say, you know, I, I've come from the the Latter-day Saint world. I live in Utah as an evangelical. I know that, <laughs> yeah. that, that you know, particularly in the early 90s and in the 80s, the, the animosity between Latter-day Saints and evangelicals was pretty fever pitched sure yeah uh, you know on the heels of a, of an infamous movie called the godmakers and the personality yeah. of yeah. of a man by the name of walter martin and the, mm-hmm. the, the language of cult and uh, apostate that we kind of threw back and forth at each other sure <clears throat> those were pretty uh, those were pretty rough things and i wondered if there was a way that even if we didn't agree with each other on theological grounds that we could at least uh, love and respect one another and build a bridge of of communication right. to each other and uh we began to see some really positive things happen in Ogden. Eventually I left there to go to Ogden Valley up in the Huntsville area okay. and started a, a Baptist congregation there. And that was such a unique setting because, to our knowledge, there had not been a Protestant church in the Ogden Valley since its beginning. There had been a strong wow. Catholic presence there with the monastery and a strong Latter-day Saint uh, presence sure. there. But we were the first non non—you know—the first Protestant church in the history of the valley.
0: That's, that's, <clears throat> that's impressive. That's kind of fun. Yeah.
1: And uh, so then eventually I left there and came to work at a church in Orem, Utah, right at the time that I got married. My wife was a widow. Uh, She had a a, a baby, about a year and a half year old, a little girl named Indiana. Oh, right uh, on. Her husband was a good (laughs) friend of mine. We all went to college together, but he was killed in a car crash Uh in Germany uh, after a five-year basketball career over over a professional basketball player there. And two years later, through a course of events, uh, we were married, and then I I took this third position down in... uh, in Utah County in the Orem area at a church called Orem EV Free, which is now called Centerpoint Church. And uh, I left there in 2001 because of this growing uh, compulsion to see uh, evangelical Christians in Utah work more together with one another in a Mm -hmm. spirit of unity and oneness. And that through that oneness, we could build a new kind of bridge to the Mormon community because that was the, it was that time in 1997, the late 90s, that I met Robert Millett at BYU. He was then the okay. dean of the religion faculty. Uh, we had hosted a scholar there to uh, engage uh, the Latter-day Saint uh, scholars there at, at the BYU religion department. That opened up some doors. Um, uh, Stephen Robinson, much famed and, and well-loved uh, author in the LDS faith, Who recently just passed away Mm -hmm. Uh, he wrote a book called believing christ in 1991 and he co-authored what i think is the seminal beginning of what i refer to as the mormon evangelical dialogue uh in 1997 he and dr craig blomberg of of denver seminary an old professor friend of mine and new New testament scholar wrote the book called how wide the divide a mormon and an evangelical conversation which really was a landmark book because it was the first time that we know of that a congenial conversation was taking place between a, a very respected scholar on the LDS side and the evangelical right. side. And they engage each other on four primary questions. Who is God to a Latter-day Saint? Who is God to an evangelical? Who is Jesus to both communities? Right. What does it mean to be saved in both communities? And how does that happen? And what is authority and revelation in both communities? Wow, yeah. So it was a fantastic book. Yeah, great and questions that, yeah, too, right? Yeah, and they came out in 1997. <laughs> And uh, as a result of <clears throat> of that book, they they were kind because I'd, I'd helped introduce them to each other and, and facilitate their interaction. So they dedicated How Wide the Divide to me, and that was really cool. And it opened up a lot of doors because now I was associated with this significant book and sure, got yeah. to tell the story a lot of times. And so that was a lot of fun. And uh, eventually it led to, like I said, meeting Robert Millett. The very same day that I met Robert Millett, April uh-huh. 11, 1997, at a Friday faculty forum, I took my, my visiting scholar friend, Dr. Bruce Demarest, downtown to Temple Square. We'd had about an hour to walk around. He had never been to Temple Square. We had lunch, and we were heading back up to Ogden Valley, where I was then pastoring. And I said, Dr. Demarest, would you like to meet one of the Mormon apostles today? Uh-huh. And uh, he's, we were standing on South Temple right there at Main Street in South Temple, and he says, kind of carefree, he said, uh, sure, you know, <laughs> how do we do that? Yeah. You know? I said, well, I, <clears throat> that's usually not normal, but uh, one's standing right in front of us, and it was Jeffrey Holland. Oh really. <laughs> so I, I introduced myself. I said Elder Holland, I'm Pastor Greg Johnson. This is Dr. Bruce Demers of Denver Seminary. He just delivered a faculty uh, lecture at BYU to the religion faculty on the Melchizedek priesthood and we noticed that you were standing here and thought we'd say hello. Now, not that Elder Holland is often walking about on the streets sure. of Salt Lake City, but right. he was that day and had started a conversation, so he and I have been uh, very involved in and he's been a tremendous supporter. He's engaged with uh, evangelical leaders and, and attended events. Um, he spoke, he made history when he spoke uh, before the National Association of Evangelical Board Meeting, which came to Utah in, in 2011 okay, at the Governor's right. Mansion. Yeah. Um, he allowed for a, a major event to take place at the Tabernacle in 2014 with Ravi Zacharias. He was there present and spoke as well. Um, he's hosting the same gentleman, Ravi Zacharias, is very well known in the evangelical world, sure. probably one of our top uh, leaders, speakers, sure? well-known people, um, yeah. and uh, Ravi and his wife are coming in for a, a second what we call a relational summit. You know, it's a it's a, an engagement uh, between two leaders, a Latter Day Saint leader and an evangelical leader of par you know level, yeah. and uh, they're going to have a, a dinner and go to the Christmas program together. All um, right. Uh, Elder Holland has met some of the leading evangelicals of our country uh, through this process, and he has been a great fan, a great supporter, and a great advocate of it. So that's kind of the background.
0: That's the wow, story. That's amazing, and I'm blown away because I mean, all from when you're 14 and you're just like, "I got to figure this stuff out," <laughs> right? And look where that's led. It's amazing, and you know, and you know, I kind of chuckle because when <laughs> I, I I think when I'm when I was 14. I mean, I was, I was worried about, you know, where's my basketball and <laughs> can I do, you know, who can I hang out with today? But it sounded like you're, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but you were really a deep thinker even at 14 for you to be like, oh, I got to figure this stuff out. I mean, yeah. talk about that for a minute, you know, being so young hmm. and, you know, being so driven, I guess, at that time. That is
1: a great question because I don't know where that came from. Um, I did not know my father. Uh, in fact my mom uh, and my dad were not married so okay. I was the fourth child but I I thought I was the fourth of of Bill and Claudette but it turns out I was the fourth uh, the first of of Claudette and Charlie and so oh, okay. um, but my mom was embarrassed by that fact that that, mm-hmm. that they were not married and so um, when I would later learn at the, about the same time that I was leaving the LDS faith and becoming an evangelical Christian uh, my mom through the process of of the unfortunate divorce she was going through revealed to me that the true nature of my father was a man by the name of Charlie Johnson. So I was actually Greg Vettel till I was 31 years old. Oh, really? And legally took my father's name at 31 right before I married my wife, Jill. Okay. And that was because my father, who who was a man of belief, and we may get into these kind of things later, but he was a man of belief, but his belief was there is a God, he doesn't like me, and I don't like him either. So his his oh, wow. belief system was a, a, a warring one. He was at oh, war with God, war, yeah. and and I was a par example of what he thought God did to him. Like you know, I was the mistake in his life that kept giving. Really? You know, okay. and I was God's. Uh, this I was like an act of judgment because he was a sinner and he did bad things, and so God judged him by giving him a son. You now know, you're stuck with you're stuck with yeah. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, in time, uh, you know, we would build our relationship. It was very painful and hard and difficult as a, yeah. as a young person sure. to not have a father and then to, to walk through these awkward days of high school and college and seminary. But when I chose at a certain point in my life realizing he, he was not interested in really being my father with all of my expectations of what that meant, that if I would just accept the fact that he was willing to be a friend and just, just kind of reduce things to that level, right. then all of a sudden the tension was taken off. And I did this during my years at, at seminary uh, in, oh, in my graduate days. Amazing. I just said, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to make him my dad anymore. That's a mistake on my part. He's not up to that. But maybe we can just be friends. Yeah. And when that pressure was taken off, I relaxed, and 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 we got to know each other. one of the things I learned is that he was from a very religious family background. Wise, his okay. his uncle was a minister in the Lutheran faith. His grandfather was a was a Methodist minister. Okay. And so I've often wondered, did I have these spiritual yearnings? This spiritual interest, and yeah. and as a young Latter Day Saint, I mean, I I did baptisms for the dead in the Manti Temple. Mm-hmm. I baptized my dead grandfather on my mother's side. I fully, fully expected after that moment, you know, as some, as sometimes we were told about yeah. spiritual experiences sure, inside yeah. the temple, that maybe my my deceased grandfather would show up and. Give me a little wink or a nod right, or something. <laughs> right. Something to say. <laughs> Thanks Good for let me man. go yeah. forward. You know, yeah. uh, I also baptized my deceased <laughs> uncle, and so I had these. I, mean, I like brought uh, 14 names to be baptized, and some of the other kids didn't bring very many. So uh, my leader said I had to give up some of my personal family names to to, to share with the others who oh, really? weren't going to get as many baptisms. Oh, wow. And I said, Hey, wait a minute, they're mine. Well, I, did they're the, mine. Yeah. I did the work. You know, <laughs> I didn't do anything. You know, but anyways, so. The, that heritage, I think, may have been something, you know, because I do believe there's a kind of a blessing to the sons and the daughters, uh, you know, the the passing on of faith. Sure. And, and yet, at the same time, for some reason, through my experience of, of 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 meeting friends outside of my own faith, my the conflict in my home uh, and not seeing my faith work that well in, in between my mom and dad, stepdad, somehow... Faith and religion, and being very serious about that, was very meaningful to me. Right, um, and I, you know, it was it was a point of uh, tension between my brothers and I. I mean, I was I was like. <clears throat> the Old Testament story of Joseph. The the older brothers kind of made fun of him, and yeah. and uh, my my older brother Steve was very successful financially. He used to refer to me as worldly renowned. You think you're so worldly renowned? Uh, why do you you know you're you're too serious as a kid? You know you need to relax <laughs> right, a little bit. You know, right. so I it was something that others picked up on too. Mm-hmm. But um, but I it was just it was um, it was a quest that was real to me. And and yeah. when when that personal experience with God really came into my life at that point and I understood that I couldn't do anything to be the person that I wanted to be I couldn't I couldn't will it myself I couldn't muscle it but they had to come to a place of vulnerability and honesty about my own frailties and my great need right of a savior who would yeah. forgive me of my sin and mm-hmm. and give me a purpose and a meaning in my life I mean it, it, it's where my life really <clears throat> took a turn Excuse me this morning. You are good? <clears throat> it took a turn from being a religious person to having a relationship
0: with God. Wow. I, and that's and wanna, a big difference. And I want to talk about that cuz you know when you know again what I'm dealing with people who you know typically don't believe in God at all and one of the things you know like the the 12 steps of AA is like you know it you know turning your life over to a higher power. Right. Right? Yeah. And I and you keep referring to this personal relationship. Mhm. And I love that because um, it, that really hits me in my heart. Talk about that because why? Because there's one thing to say, yeah, mm-hmm. I believe in God, mm-hmm. or do you believe God kind of thing, right? And yeah. talk about that personal, what that means, like exactly no, that, for our that, listeners to understand that.
1: That is at the core of my heart in my life as a Christian today. Okay. That, that religion oftentimes, in fact, religion is defined in, in the dictionary as man's attempt to reach God. Mm. It's through religious services, religious, religious observance, re- religious right. practices, the idea that we we want to try to find God and we're searching for him and we're trying to seek him. But Christianity, by its very definition, is very different than that. It's really God's attempt to reach us. So the the focus oh, okay. is not on our ability to reach him, but it's really on, on his rescue effort to reach us. To reach us, okay. And to, to show us that he's real, to show us that... That faith, that uh, understanding that there is an actual being, a deity, mm-hmm. that is personal, that is real, uh, that is transformative, um, and that moves us from religious traditions and observances. And it's a great thing that, you know, when you look at the early pages of the, the New Testament, you, you think about the gospel stories, you think about the epistles, you think about this narrative of a new faith in this person named Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that many of the Jewish people of the time rejected this idea was that Jesus didn't fulfill their expectations of what a Messiah was going to be. Mm-hmm. They, they thought of something very different than whoever this guy was. I mean, he's just Joseph and Mary's boy. You know, and you're, right. you're thinking he's the Messiah? I mean, Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. But he begins to teach with power and authority like no one else. He begins to do miracles. And these are convincing proofs to people. And so as the story continues, people begin to say, wait a minute. This is not about sacrifice and religious services, which they had known so well through their Jewish religious uh, traditions, you know, dietary feast, holidays, different uh, festivals and sacrificial system and all that. And here's this person who says, I am from the Father, and I am of the Father, and, uh, you know, I'm the Son of Man, and and he teaches all these ideas, and I think what he invites people to do is step away from trying to be good enough for God, to understand that you know, there's a, there's some hard verses in the Old Testament, like sure. Jeremiah that says, you know, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Our own heart, um, as one old professor friend of mine used to say, <laughs> uh, I think there's nothing more convincing in all of human human testimony than the curvature of the soul. We are broken people. We, we, you know, last century, you know, the 1900s, mm-hmm. from 1900 to 1999, the bloodiest century of human history more people were murdered by war or catastrophes or engagements really? in that one century than the previous 19 centuries combined wow. that we know of wow. and and so we are a human population you know that that we have problems we have issues we have we have a we have a problem and i, I call yeah. it sin you know it's it's sure. uh, missing the mark it's breaking yeah. breaking faith with god and so god's solution to us is not try to be better do all these things to make yourself better and again, and I'm not, you know, I don't know who I'm speaking to in terms of the audience right now, but, but whether it's being a Latter-day Saint or a Baptist or a Catholic or a Hindu or a Muslim, mm-hmm. I would suggest that people who are trying to make themselves good for God are all in kind of a similar boat, and that boat is religion. Right. That's the boat of religion. You know, yeah. I'm going to muscle it. I'm going to make gonna, it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be better than I was last year. My, my, you know, we're going to have all these, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do we call them? Uh, at the new year, we have resolutions. Yeah, you know, resolutions. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be a better person this yeah. year. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to lose all this weight. And then, you know, two weeks later, we're just back, right we're back, doing the same thing. <laughs> we haven't succeeded. You know, we failed so quickly, right. and it's just proof to us that we we don't we don't have it within ourselves by ourselves to do all the things we like to be. And so, I think that personal nature, which is what kind of your question moving us from religion and duty and uh, and and formalization uh to a place of a personal intimate understanding and there's no story better in all of the of the new testament than the story in luke 15 that tells us about a father and a son you know where a son says to a father uh i i don't want you anymore i just want your money Right. I want my inheritance, Yes. which when he said that, according to the story, yeah. was basically the the ultimate insult to his father because you didn't get your money. You didn't get your inheritance until your dad died. Until he died, yeah. And so the son's saying, give me my inheritance and I'll, and I'll leave. It's yeah. so basically, dad, I really prefer you just to die.
0: Yeah.
1: Please die so I can have my money. And so the father in this story uniquely gives him his inheritance, half of the inheritance, his older brother stays around, and off he goes to live in the world wild and crazy and yep. all the things that the world has to offer. And the father waits on the front door, uh, for, uh, the front for porch, yep. and he's looking and longing and wanting and waiting for the son to return. And when he comes back after being destitute, poor, um, you know, broken, destroyed, yeah, sure. eating Eating the food of pigs, if you will, which yep. is an yes. ultimate uh, embarrassment for anybody for in the Jewish sh- world, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, being not, not uh, p- you know, the pork eaters, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so that I think the story is really saying this guy uh, ha- has gone from the top to the bottom to the very bottom. He yeah. is he's on he- he's on a skid row, if you will, of life, and he says maybe, just maybe, as bad off as things are, if I go back to my dad and just ask for a job, maybe maybe he'll make me like a worker. Right. Maybe I have at least that opportunity because I'm in such bad shape. And the father runs to him, uh, violating every cultural norm for a father, for a man of dignity. Yeah. He runs. He runs to his son. He doesn't wait for his son to arrive to him. He puts on his robe. He puts on his shoes. He puts on his ring. And he says, yeah. my son, who I thought was dead, has come home. Yeah. He's alive. I thought he was lost. Now he's yeah, found. He's alive. Luke yeah. 15, the prodigal son. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I think that story tells you it's not about being good enough that God will love you. It's being honest about who you are, knowing that God loves you who you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay where you're at. Exactly. And so he calls you into a relationship of transformation. That's why it's a big word for me. It's change. Yeah. I can't change myself,
0: but God can change me. Wow, I love that. You know. So yeah. beautifully said, Pastor Greg. You know, in that uh, story as well, what I love is when the father sees his son from a great distance walking towards their their home again, th- th- it says the first thing he has for his son is compassion. Yeah. And Very I love cool. that too because I think that's the character of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. And that's why I got excited when you said <laughs> Luke 15 because I really believe that describes the character of God perfectly. Yeah. yeah. He's not going to be there to try to count us out. You know, he's not an umpire. he's there he's waiting like you said he wants us to just turn and now come towards me but i will run to you yeah anyway so thanks for sharing that the apostle paul
1: says something in the book of galatians that is so strong to me um because again by his own definition and by his own heritage i mean paul was a man of many trophies he was a pharisee of pharisees he was a jew of the jews he was, stu- he was a student of Gamaliel, one of the, the, the most ranking uh, Jewish rabbis of the time. Uh, he had all the resume. He had all the spiritual trophies. But what he says is, in, in Galatians 2.16, uh, he says, By no work of the law shall any flesh be justified before God. Mm-hmm. So we think, but yeah. if, I, if I just try harder, if I'm more religious, if I go to church more, if I pay my tithing, if I, uh, if I pray a little bit more, if I read a little bit more. And you know what? what ultimately happens to a person who lives in that kind of yeah. world? They never can measure up because you know what if you read your Bible for 10 minutes today why didn't you read it for 15 you know if you prayed if you yeah. prayed for 10 minutes today why didn't you pray for 12 or 13 yeah. if you did one nice thing for somebody why didn't you do two nice things you can never be good enough because perfection is always outside
0: of our grasp it's always yeah 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 and I'm glad you brought that up um, because you know that that actually creates a belief in us that I'm just not good enough. Yeah. And we walk around well, you know, I I can't live up to what I think I need to do to connect with God. So, you know, and the, you create this belief system I'm not I'm not good enough and then what you do is you try to you know, you basically kind of settle. You kind of yeah, give yeah. up, and so thank you for pointing and I that think, out.
1: Actually, it can be even worse than that because I think that's that's where and when I interact with people who have no belief in God, mm-hmm. and and I I am a I am so big on believing in common ground and bridge building. Yeah, I love to meet people of other faiths. I love to meet people of of no faith and have that conversation sure. with them about, you know where is this all working for you what's your core yeah. you know how does this help you to be a happier person you know and uh, i think that when i have encountered a lot i'm i'm not saying exclusively but right. a, a lot of people who have had very disappointing experiences with religion they tend to be people who don't want to believe in god anymore right because yeah. if that's what religion is if god is is what my religious experience was is. i'm not yeah. interested right and i think more of our millennials and our generation z have told us all Hey, if you think I'm going to be loyal to the organization or to the institution, forget it. Forget it. If there's yeah. something meaningful for me here, if this can make my life better, if I can understand that there really is a a loving transcendent God who cares about me, I'm open to that conversation, but don't don't try to get me to sign up for for the club, you know. Yeah.
0: You know, and I, again, I'm so glad you said that too. You know, it goes back to what you were saying how important it is to have a personal relationship. Amen. Yeah. You know, isn't that the Baptist I mean, minister will say, "Amen." To amen that. to that. <laughs> amen. No, and I and I say, "Amen" to that as well, and yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I think, you know, sometimes do we get caught up to what building we're walking to on Sunday? You know, I'm I'm doing all the yeah. the I'm doing the checklist, right? Check, right. check, you check, got check. It. You got it. Instead of feeling God, and I was reading in a book, and I, I hope you don't mind me sharing sure. this. Um, one of my favorite books is, and I've got it right over there. Is, is the Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And I was reading that book, and in there there was a line that just hit me so hard, and and I knew it, but just for some reason, reading it in that Mm -hmm. moment hit me, and it was, um, God doesn't have love. God is love. Uh, Yeah. And then you know when I look at my grand two year old granddaughter, when she walks into the room, it's love. Mm -hmm. And so, how do we connect with love? So if God is love and we are love, how do we connect? We we give away love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Again, that personal connection. And I know that like like just even sitting here with you, I mean I feel this love from you even. And it's that's what connection is to yeah. me. Yeah. You know, and, and I and that's tangible. That's tangible. There's something you feel real it. to it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. No, I, I thank think you for sharing that. I, you know, I use this illustration from time to time. Um, the idea that sometimes um, you know, you know, standing in a garage doesn't make a person a car you can get on <laughs> right. or, or you know right. you can get on your hands and knees and you know uh, move around and bark like a dog but that doesn't make you a dog but if you are a dog if you are a car you know you'll be in a garage you'll you, you know you bark and, and run around in your uh, arms and you know your legs the fact is is we don't we can't make ourselves the thing that we we strive to be right. again it's 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 understanding in that place of, of vulnerability and honesty to say by myself, I seem to make regularly make mistakes that make my life not work well. You know? right. And the humility that's required to say, is there really a God out there? Is there a being that I should acknowledge, understand, know? I, I asked my brothers are not religious or people of faith at all. And, and this is an issue to a, in our relationship to this very day. Right. But I've asked my older brother, I said, you know, if, if there really was some kind of God out there uh, would that be at all interesting to you? Would you want to know about it? Would you want to know about him or her or it or whatever? Right. you know whoever that being is, would you even want to know? He goes no. I don't I don't even want to know about it because if I uh, if I knew about it, I might have to I might have to deal with it. I might, might have to, have to acknowledge things, it, it you right know? Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of people that really don't want to have somebody else, you know have any influence or control or authority in their life. They, you know that that's that's a definition for someone who doesn't want to believe in God because yeah. they are the captain of their own ship their their yeah. own life and again um uh, you know i i am not saying that there aren't people who who don't believe in God who aren't happy sure. but i am saying that i have found a lot of people who are uh, uh driven to to not believe in God there there's a kind of anger and a frustration that i have experienced with them yeah. again that's not Exclusive, but that that's a story that's pretty common to me.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. Well, man, there's so much I want to talk to you about. <laughs> man, we need we need four hours today. Now, now that I've heard this, um, you know, your 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 passion right now is to help bridge the gap between, you know, all types of religions and this and that, right. and bringing people together. Correct. Right. What? And, and I know this is going to be a loaded question, but what's the biggest barrier? in that yeah. like what do you see in your experiences of you know what's been the biggest barrier that keeps f- keep us from you know having common ground with each other and then what do you do to kind of I guess guide people yeah. through that yeah. maze I don't think it's a hard
1: question to answer frankly I think it's pride okay. I mean pride really gets in the way of our ability to, to learn from somebody else Yeah. to take the time to be enriched by somebody else, um, the the term that we often use in this area is mm-hmm. interfaith work. You know where okay. people of different faiths are interacting with each other, um, interfaith or intrafaith. Either even like uh, within the Christian communion of churches, you know you can have one dialogue in 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 maybe a uh, a dialogue with people in a different religious like another world religion like islam or judaism right. or hinduism or yeah. Buddhism, that's another kind of dialogue to have but ultimately the ability for an individual who who has a belief system um, to to interact with somebody whose belief system is very different uh, whether that would be of another religion or a different uh, christian expression of faith um, we, we tend to camp where we are, so right. I'm a Baptist, yeah, right. or I'm a Catholic, or I'm a Mormon, or yeah. I'm a Jewish person, or whatever. Yeah. And it's our tradition, it's our heritage, it's our family uh, you know, uh, heritage and, and traditions regarding those things. And so we really kind of build into it that I'm right, or we're right, and you're wrong. And that us-them mentality, I think, is born out of pride. Because at the very, very basic core, and we talk about this on my podcast with uh, Building Bridges, um, the concept of not only do we have to build a bridge, but we have to be humble enough to know that somebody who believes differently than me might have something admirable, sure. something worthwhile yeah. for me to learn about. Right. Uh, Krister Stendahl, the former bishop of, of uh, Sweden and the former dean of the Harvard Religion uh, mm-hmm. School, he's the one that coined the phrase, holy envy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually has three rules for interfaith dialogue. If you want to know about somebody else's religion, ask a knowledgeable member of that faith, not some peripheral person, but somebody who really knows the faith. Right. Two, compare your best with their best, not your best with their worst. You know, gotcha. that's not a fair comparison. That's yeah, not fair. And third, yeah. always leave room for holy envy. The idea that. I may not be Jewish. I may not be Muslim. I may not be Mormon. I may not be whatever. But I can talk to a member of another faith and go, "Wow, that's that's a really insightful uh, thought. That's a really wonderful practice. That is a, boy, that is a really virtuous um, yeah. belief that you have. Yeah. And 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 to even maybe say, I need to do better in that area of my life. I need to be more that way. And and learn from one another. And so you know, it doesn't mean that I have to compromise who I am or. Throw my beliefs out the out right. the window. Yeah, but it's having this conversation, um, and I think I think again it, it makes me sad because it's just the natural default to
0: to kind of you know, you know I like the Broncos and dig you like the Chargers. You <laughs> dig know? your heels in, yeah. and you're, you're, you're you shut off from any other type of truth or knowledge yeah. around that area. And I yeah. think if we were a little bit more curious and a little yeah. bit more. Uh,
1: envious uh, allowed yeah. ourselves to have that kind of holy envy that stender talks about um it, it would make us richer people yeah i mean i am far more uh, wealthy as a human being because of my interfaith relationships sure. because some of my best friends in the world are latter-day saints i am privileged and honored to know yeah. general authorities of the lds church mm-hmm. and scholars in the lds faith uh that's my arena you know that's my yeah. primary yeah, right. dialogue focus but mm-hmm. But I, I have the privilege of, of knowing Catholic leaders. Uh, um, yeah. uh, you know, I have the privilege of knowing my my, my neighbor is a, is a member of the Islamic faith and we have good interactions from time to time. I enjoy that because when I meet another human being who's on a different kind of journey than I am, uh, one, maybe I have something to share with them. Maybe, right. You know. Yeah. But I'm gonna get that opportunity uh, when I show them respect and admiration. Um, you, everyone on, that's listening to us right now knows that old adage: people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, you know that so is a true, fundamental though. thing. So true. Yeah. So yeah. I think humility uh, is is the means and the vehicle to really understanding the importance of of learning and growing in, in a community at, at large and being. I mean, we need this message more than ever before, Todd, because we're such a divided nation. We're so politics, di- yeah. race, right. class. You know, yeah. gender, all the issues that are facing us and ripping us apart. We need a good dose of humility, holy yep. envy, and bridge building.
0: Yeah, very well said. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I as I'm, as I'm hearing you talk about this personal relationship, I'm over here in my mind going, I love that, and I need to be better in that. Hmm. So there it is. That's holy envy, right I, there. It's truly, yeah. it yeah. truly is. I I really felt that yeah. today. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, man, I need to have a, a more personal relationship. Wow hearing you talk. So thank you so very much cool. for that. Yeah, uh, Um, love it. very well said. Um, so, you know, pride obviously gets in the way of a lot of things and, and really keeps things, you know, in a very negative light. Humility is a very powerful thing. You know, if, if someone's listening to this right now and they they are struggling, let's say maybe even believing there is a God kind of thing, you know, again, is there even a higher power, whatever they want to call it? What what advice could you give them, if they're, you know, stuck? They're not sure where to go. How? What would what what could you tell them to do to kind of find, I guess, God yeah. and find that? Well, you what know, would you I, say?
1: I I love that question. Uh, not because I you know I think, again, religious people want to make converts. You know, a, get a notch in the belt. You know, yeah. you know. Uh, I got yeah right. <laughs> and I think I think that that. What God has asked me to do, and I think this profound uh, illustration is, is shared in, again in the gospel stories, that like a farmer casting seed, we just throw out the seed. Sometimes there's a receptive audience, sometimes there's a, a hard audience, sometimes right. the people reject that message, but at the, at the end of the day, doubt is not a, is not a negative in my mind, doubt or question or hesitation yeah, yeah. Or, or confusion mm-hmm. that that's that's the beginning place of saying okay i am frustrated I, i'm confused i'm unsure about things so where do i go where do i begin do i just uh, put my head in the sand and yeah. and take another drink or you know take another shot or, or you know do something to numb the pain or medicate mm-hmm. my my uh my my lack of of, of, of fulfillment in life i say Let's, let's consider another suggestion. Let's ponder for a minute. Let's consider where we're at. And and sometimes, I mean, I kid you not, I'm, I'm a seminary trained pastor yeah. for, for almost 28 years. Sure. I have doubt. I have yeah. questions. You know, everyone's why you go, I wonder if there really is a God up there. I, <laughs> I wonder if, if when I die, I'm, I'm really going to go to heaven or if it's just going to be black, you know, yeah. fade out, no, no, yeah. no more sense of existence. I mean, I have those thoughts, but then I kind of walk my way through that process and I say, okay, yeah. wait a minute. So I believe that I'm standing on a big blue marble in the middle of a cosmos. <laughs> right. That I know is a fact by by scientific understanding. Yeah. There's this thing called planet Earth, and we're in a solar system, and our solar system is in is in a cosmos. And you know, there are galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies which are huge and yeah. the vast. Yeah. And we're a speck of dust in this larger place <laughs> called the cosmos. Yeah. And I'm standing on that blue marble, 70% made of water, 30% yeah. made of land. It, it we have a we have the human history, you know, we have yeah. the knowledge of what we've accomplished by way of computer and technology and, and human biology and all the stuff that is a part of the world in which I live in today. And I go, is it more likely that total randomness, yeah. you know, co- you know, a cosmic explosion right. just set this up? You know the old adage: If if uh, you put a thousand monkeys on a typewriter in a uh, in a in a room, what's the chance anyone would write a, a, a sonnet from Shakespeare? You know, <laughs> right. not, likely. not likely. I think this world is so complex and so intricate that that to to those who believe in complete random, you know, the the Big Bang theory, if you will, and, right. and evolution. I actually think that takes more faith to believe that. I, I agree. than believing there's some yeah. one behind it all, right? That there's a great designer, the, the wonderful uh, we call these the arguments or the, uh, the, uh, the, the ex- explanations for why someone should believe in God. And one of them is the argument of design. So if you and I were walking across an open field and we looked down, and we saw something shiny in the in the dirt, and we saw that somebody had lost their watch or something. Yeah. We'd pick up that watch, and you would not say to me, "Isn't that amazing how that ground just uh, grew up that golden watch there?" and and how amazing that <laughs> that, that that just came out of the ground yeah. like that? And I would look. I'd say, no, "It's far more likely that somebody dropped their watch, and that somebody made this watch, and Someone somebody owns it. this Oops. watch." You know, so the complexity of the world. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Takes me to to think I think it's you know you got a beautiful uh, Google globe on your on your computer screen over there. You know, yeah. I look at that big blue marble and I I think it's so beautiful. I live there. That's my home. Yeah. You know, I'm on that planet with yeah. about 8 other billion people, <laughs> you know, and that's my world and I look at it and I go it looks too it looks too amazing to just be some explosion, explosion. you know. Explosion, yeah. Wow. And so I start I with that. that point and I say okay. Say if, if if you if you can convince yourself that the intricacy and the design of this world is total random, <clears throat> and that makes sense to you, then that that's a place I I just I acknowledge it for sure. those who who believe that yeah. way. But it's far easier for me to say no. It's so impressive that there has to be a designer, and so I think someone who's big enough to create a world and a cosmos and a and a place like you know what we know of the natural world. Is, is the next step is to say who, who could be such a being you know yeah. now there are many religious uh, uh, answers to that question or those questions and, and it's a worthy uh, pursuit to uh, seek out uh, people of different faiths of uh, you know to do some reading to do some studying there's there's all kinds of ways to do that today um, but I become intrigued personally by the story of Jesus and, and that in that was my orientation I get it you know that's the religion I was raised in, in a in a faith that affirmed the person of Jesus uh, I, obviously I'd, I made a journey out of Mormonism to a to a, a another Christian faith you know to to the idea of a, of a judeo-christian faith a more traditional biblical faith um, but the orientation of understanding Jesus as a unique uh, word or expression of God uh, has become very meaningful to me and and so I would ask anybody who's really struggling with doubts or questions, not to give up or, or to become um, negative uh, or feel negative about yeah. that, but to say, hey, I think that's a wonderful place to consider the conversation of, where does all this world come from? Yeah. Where does design come from? Yeah. And uh, is it is it not possible to, to consider the, the fact that there is a great designer? Yeah. And who is this person? Who is this being? Who is this divine entity? You know, humanity is deeply at its core Uh, historically religious i mean you can't find a society or civilization uh, in history or or in antiquity that doesn't have some belief system in a god uh, to 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 bless the uh, harvest or to bless you know the, the needs of of the community uh, so I think there's something very innate to our humanity to, to want to know if there's a God and to know who He is. Now some people again say, no, I'm not interested. I have you know you lived your life for many years yeah. without a belief in God and then something yeah. profound happened in your life where you said maybe there is a God and maybe sure. that would make my life a better thing. Yeah you know
0: yeah, again, very well said. I love that. you know I, I heard it once said um, it was by um, the late uh, Neil A. Maxwell, uh, an apostle of the LDS Church. In a talk called "The Creator's Cosmos," and in there he said, "If we were any closer to the sun, we would fry; if we were any further away, we'd freeze." Right. And he goes, "You know, he said he basically was saying someone had to have known we were coming, <laughs> or we're <laughs> very lucky, away. and you we're know, just yeah." That, so that's all you can come up with. Yeah.
1: Either, either this was planned, or we're just so yeah. randomly lucky. Yeah. And I think it's a very. Uh, that's a very empty answer Yeah, that it's just for sure. Oh, we got lucky. You know, yeah. you know, I don't like when people say good luck. I say, well, I don't really believe in luck. Yeah. You can say God bless if you want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll remember that one.
1: <laughs> it's, it's easy to say good luck. It, we know what that means, but I like to correct people because I said, I don't believe in some random, you know, fortune that's just going to fall on me. I believe that we have an opportunity to, uh, to, you know, you you talked about it too. I mean, it's it's what First John says: we love because God first loved us. The yeah. idea that God is love, yeah. I believe, uh, helps people who who have prejudices of all kinds mm-hmm. uh, rise above those prejudices rise and say, you know what? Them. I'm no better than you because my skin color is different than yours, or yeah. my gender is different than yours, or or my belief systems are better than yours, or whatever. It, it, it's it's um, you know again, what a great teaching from Jesus: he who wants to be great among you, be the servant of all.
0: Wow, yeah, so beautifully said, man. Oh man, those are so not my m- words; those were Jesus's. Yeah, no, I know. Be- beautifully said. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, so you're you're doing. You, you've started a new podcast yeah. uh, called uh, Building Bridges, and um, you just you had someone on. You just did your first episode. Yeah. And who was it that you had on? We had
1: Nick Vujicic, the amazing young guy. I know he's a hero of yours. Yes. And uh, Nick is about Nick. Uh, three foot five uh-huh. because he has no legs and he has mm. no arms. Yeah. Uh, but if you get to know Nick, and I've, I've known him since 09, we brought him to Utah now four different times. He was just here on October 7th working with our attorney general uh, and hosting two events, one in Park City and one down in Roy. And it's fascinating to me that we that this was set up by the attorney general like this, Um you know, there's no more elite city in our state than Park City. A wealthy, right. materialistic kind of place, and yeah. the kids up there have a lot of things, and they don't lack for much. You know, uh, yeah. a lot of those students. Uh, but down in Roy, it's a very different community. It's a sure. very uh, kind of more of a urban, uh, not urban, but more more middle income kind of range places, and mm-hmm. deal with different issues. But Nick was able to speak to both audiences in the same powerful way about the dignity of being a human being. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you look like or what your shape is that you by being a human being are worthy and worthwhile and important and valuable. Yeah. And I saw the students in those two audiences, didn't matter if you're come from a family of great yeah. wealth or a family of very little wealth. Uh, you might have some different issues in life, but you have the same basic no need. know who, who am I? Yeah. Am I valuable? Do I count? Do I matter? Am I worthy of being loved? And Nick affirms that in, oh, e- yeah. in each of those experiences. And Nick has been, uh, you know, blowing away audiences all around the world for years now and he's come to utah um in 2009 through elder jeffrey holland yeah. we were able to have him uh through our organization i lead a ministry called standing together yeah. um uh, and uh through that organization of united evangelical churches working together we asked the uh, lds church if we could have nick speak at the mormon tabernacle on temple square now called the tabernacle on temple square um and, uh, that was permitted. He was actually the second guest that we brought to Utah, Ravi Zacharias, uh, yeah. another well-known evangelical yeah, spoke in 2004, Nick in 2009. And then he came back in 2013, working very closely with governor Herbert. Uh, we went after uh, that opportunity and, uh, we spoke at four different uh, high schools and middle schools during that time, again, on the same message of bullying and, and the dignity of humanity and being a human being. Um, and, and really the issue, which is so critical here in Utah, and it pains all of us to know this is yeah. a statistic that so many of our young people, the leading cause of death for our young people in Utah is suicide. Yeah. And he speaks so to that hard. issue and says, no, that's not the answer. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the concept of building bridges, the concept of our podcast, the concept of standing together, the, the privilege of hosting people like Nick or Ravi or others yeah. um, is to just um, to contribute to the community. You know, one of the things that I, I think is very significant, I mean, Nick, when he speaks for corporate um, events where you know, big companies have him come in to speak, I know, I know what he commands dollar-wise. I mean, yeah. uh, it's Can upward. Yeah. It's like 30000 bucks an hour. Yeah. and he comes to Utah for free on his own dime Wow! he doesn't ask Utah he doesn't ask standing together he doesn't ask anybody to pay anything he just comes to serve free to of serve. charge Wow! and he you know he brings Such his a good dude. He, he, he pays his own uh, you know flight and everything and I'm like Nick why are you doing this he says because this is not for money this is this is not about raising money or, or having right. finances this is about serving people free of charge and uh, it, it's an amazing thing that, that I get to be a part of things like that
0: yeah wow so amazing! There's so much I want to talk to you about, but uh, you know, if mm-hmm. if someone wanted to get to know you more and about your cause and your passion and this and that, what would be the best way for them to find out more yeah. about you? Well, we do have
1: a obviously a website that would be a good starting point, uh, standingtogether.org. dot org. But on our YouTube page, uh, Standing Together, uh, Gregory Johnson uh, can look that up. Okay, uh, we have a, a weekly vlog that we're we've done. We started that in early. Uh, in early October, so I, I actually do about a five to 10 minute weekly video blog, okay, which um, talks about this whole genre of building bridges. Uh, we have a, a video blog on on building common ground, on dealing with toxic speech, on dealing with uh, spiritual sensitivity, we just did one on holy envy. The one that uh, yeah. is coming out this week is dealing with uh, the gift of friendship. And okay. so we talk about things each week through the video blog and okay. our YouTube page, and we'd encourage people to stop by and check that out. Uh, seems like it's getting a great response. And then nice. our monthly drop is our podcast, where okay. we you know uh, tell the story of, of some of the things that have been happening. Um, we'll have a we'll have a podcast coming out here on uh, the first Friday in December, on the issue of understanding where the Mormon Evangelical Dialogue began. And I I say it began in in Denver, Colorado, at Denver Seminary on May fifteenth, nineteen 1992, when we did a a faculty forum on a book that Stephen Robinson had written called Are Mormons Christians? And from that came about the book How Wide the Divide that I mentioned earlier, and the book that Bob Millett and I have done, uh, Robert Millett and I wrote a book together called Bridging the Divide. And actually, next year, I have another book coming out uh, looking very positive about that. It's called The Bridge Book. And oh, okay. it's uh, basically the subtitle is Looking Back and Learning from Over 25 Years of Mormon Evangelical Dialogue and Telling the Ooh, God wow. Stories. That sounds uh, awesome. And the intricate internal behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh, connections that have been taking place uh, off the radar. And I love the fact that we don't, we have not been doing this work, you know, on the front pages of the newspaper or, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, we've gotten media coverage on, on various things that I've done with Bob or whatever. But that's not been the the focus of it. It's been really to just build the bridge of friendship, Mm -hmm. establish common ground, and see where that takes us. And, um, you know, there's a lot at stake when people talk about religion, when religious leaders get together, um, because nobody wants to be seen as the one that's compromising or, or giving in or changing. right. But as we've done it at a very relational level, uh, these things have have taken place. So, so I'm a local guy, obviously. Um, yeah. I'm not that hard to find. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I'll have a Starbucks yeah. with anybody. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so th- those are the ways to connect great. with us. Yeah, great.
0: Well, I I want to thank you so much. I wish we had a couple more hours. Honestly, this I mean, we've almost gone an hour now, and doesn't even seem like it. It doesn't even seem like it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can't tell you how grateful I am. That you would take time we're here early yeah we're here really early <laughs> it was like the and london fog coming yeah in the london fog coming in but i i just want you to know how grateful i am that you would take the time to come share your yeah. story or a portion of it yeah. i know there's a lot more to. that's why i want people yeah. to reach out and learn yeah. more about you i love what you're doing i'm grateful that we have people like you who are trying to bridge the gap you know again trying to cultivate humility among different faiths that we can come together and love each other for who we are and learn from each other. Have that holy envy. Uh, I've had that today with you (laughs) as I'm listening to how you live your life. Thank you so much for what you do and for who you are.
1: Well, Todd, this is a special time of year as we kind of think about what Christmas means to various people of different traditions. And one of the great messages of Christmas has always been Peace on Earth, goodwill towards men. Yes, and I think that message still resonates with people yeah. because there's a lot of conflict around the world. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of tensions here in our own country, and more than ever, we need people to pause for a minute, yeah. kind of decompress, think about important things, realize that we're all in this together. Yeah, that you are my you know you're my brother, you're my sister. We are our brother's keeper, if you will, yeah. to to quote the old uh, the idiom there. That we need to realize that we're we have a lot in common yeah. and and learning about one another, respecting one another, honoring one another, learning from one another is so valuable, so and, valuable. and we're enriched by it. It makes yeah. us better
0: human beings. Absolutely. Again, very well said. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much. And listeners, yeah. once again, what an amazing story, right? I mean, just week after week, we have these amazing people on who just have amazing lives and, and I do feel more connected, you know, connected with you, Greg. And I hope as you listen to this, that you feel connected. If you're struggling with, your, with, with you know, connecting with God, you know, again, go give away some love today and that feeling, there's God right there and keep doing that. I, I love you guys. Thanks for believing in me. Again, thanks for asking networks for believing in me as well. And until next time, so thank you. Awesome.